guys on the road, cowboy. He did the stare and drive on you, didn't he? He got that from me. What's his deal? I got a problem with authority. You just need to chill out. You ready for this? Come on, man. Guns, murderers, and crooked cops. I was made for this, bro. Welcome into episode 11 of Bad Movies, Worst Opinions podcast, where we believe that everybody has a favorite bad movie. We only watch movies that are rated below a 6.0 on IMDb. Like us, review us, give us all of those things that uh, podcasters tell you to do. We are very happy to welcome Steven Spector back in here. Every time we do a Paul Walker movie, we will have you in studio. That's my guy. (laughs) Today we are doing Too Fast, Too Furious, which narrowly makes it as a 5.9 on IMDb. Its release date is June 6th of 2003. How did you guys watch this? I watched this on YouTube TV. How did you guys watch Too Fast, Too Furious? I'm going to say I had YouTube TV after a quick check of some illegal options. But, yeah, YouTube TV was my final destination. Same with me. So you can watch this on TNT's app, TBS app, Sling app, and YouTube TV. The box office this week, this is a great box office. Too Fast, Too Furious is number one. Finding Nemo is number two. Bruce Almighty, number three. Italian Job, number four. Matrix Reloaded, number five. A very early 2000s box office. Too Fast, Too Furious debuted at number one with $50 million. I cannot believe. I mean, shows you the power of these these movies because Finding Nemo with Disney, you would think, would have boomed to number one. That was one of Disney Pixar's better films, too. That's Actually, it's really impressive they came in at number one. (laughs) The budget, $76 million at the box office, $234 million. Explains why we are now having Fast 10, because this movie has made Universal so much money. They've said for the last four films, this will be the last one. And then we got 7, 8, 9, and now 10 with Jason Momoa in a couple weeks. The plot, former cop Brian O'Connor is called upon to bust a dangerous criminal, and he recruits the help of a former childhood friend and street racer who has a chance to redeem himself. The cast, Paul Walker is Brian O'Connor, Tyrese Gibson is Roma Pierce, Eva Mendez is Monica Fuentes, Cole Hauser is Carter Verone, and Ludacris, Chris Bridges, is T.J. Parker. What a bag fumble by Ja Rule. Ja Rule's entire career is differently if he just stays in the Fast and Furious franchise after being in the first one. Monica! It really is an all-time bag fumble. And because Ludacris now has this, plus now music has probably come his second income behind these movies, Ja Rule, instead of doing this, probably did Firefest, which was an all-time miss. The other incredible part about Ludacris is he went from garage mechanic to world-renowned hacker, hacker, <laughs> technology expert. Just an incredible come-up from eight movies. Oh, by the way, real quick about the Ludacris character, after Ja Rule, they approached Redman to do it, but Redman, due to scheduling conflicts, said no. That is a fun fact for you. Another fumble. I mean, Ludacris is probably made... $50 million off doing Fast and the Furious, just being in the Fast and the Furious. I actually think he's pretty good on screen. Like, the role that they have him play, I think, is pretty believable. Like, the wise, in-the-know, street hustler cat that I got my hand in a little bit of everything. I like Ludacris' He's character. the perfect foil to Tyrese Gibson. Like, the perfect foil. They have a great relationship in the show. I'm going to say it starts in this movie, but it has really developed over the next eight movies, is that they have that fun, comedic back and forth, which really takes off on the, I think it's Fast Five, when 
when they're in Brazil. But this one, you start to see the seeds are sown of their relationship. Is this your favorite Fast and the Furious movie, Spec? I've written out all nine. I don't know when you want to get to my official rankings, but okay, we'll I've, wait, we'll I've wait. written out all nine okay. in order. All right, we'll wait. I, we'll do that after we review this movie because I am curious where you have this one. This is one of my favorite Fast and the Furious movies, so I'm excited to do this. The movie starts in a street racing time, and the whole city is out. You got the cars out. You got the girlies out. I like the first scene of the movie. We meet our first three racers. A fourth appears. Oh, it's Brian O'Connor. And the stakes are up to $3,500 a racer. Nobody said nothing about racing the stakes. If that's the case, why don't you ask these nice people here to back off the line so you can go home? The one Latin character, I don't know his name, Clearly was scared. Had no interest in being in the pot, being this yeah, It's like big. Jordan walked in the gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He knew Brian O'Connor. As the race ensues, a wrinkle is added and the bridge is raised during the race. Brian clears it. Suki does as well. Michael Ely gets into a very serious car accident. He dies in real life, right? I mean, I feel Michael like... Ely's character dies if you get into that. At that speed and you hit the sign the way that he hits it, you don't just wake up with a bruised arm. You die. Let's be honest, there are about a dozen times, maybe two dozen, three dozen times over the course of these ten movies where things should have killed these people that didn't. I, you have to suspend reality in the Fast and Furious franchise. Maybe at number two we hadn't suspended reality yet, but there's a, there's a scene later in these movies, not this one, but later, where Vin Diesel catches a car like it's a baseball. I mean, that kills you too. The Latin guy chickens out. Brian wins the race. This is maybe my biggest question of the entire movie. Monica Fuentes is gone so often. How does Carter not know this? She's at the illegal street race. Maybe she's recruiting. That was her role. At least they made it seem in the movie. Mm -hmm. So maybe she was recruiting. Yeah, I just think that she's maybe followed a little bit more closely, especially because we know how possessive Carter is later in the movie. She strays from the nest way too often for your boyfriend also to be as possessive and controlling as he comes off. Also, I assume the opening scene is Los Angeles still. The movie takes place in Miami, so she flew across the country to go recruiting as opposed to just hanging in the southeast or hanging in Florida. Again, and that makes that would make even less sense, though, because Cole Hauser's character is super possessive, and he's, she's like, I'm going to jump on a flight to L.A., a quick five-hour flight across the country, and I'll be right back, honey, don't worry. That, that also feeds your theory that it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you just could have found some local goons. You could have found some local drivers. I mean, Cole Hauser wants the best. The cops arrive right on time, and everybody tries to get out of Dodge. Well... Brian doesn't. The cops catch Brian, and now he's at the precinct. The police brief Brian on what's going on with Carter Verone. Carter Verone, born in Argentina, but he's lived most of his life in Miami. Now he owns the biggest import-export business in the state. And he is faced with an option, either jail or work with the police. Well, he backs the blue and agrees under the condition that he can pick his partner. The only way I'll do this is if I get to pick the driver. All right, O'Connor. Who you got in mind? This dude I grew up with in Barstow. Who's that? Roman Pierce. Scene where he goes up to the guy and tests him with the gallo cups is the most obvious scene of he's clearly testing you. The guy fails. I don't know how the cops are planning on sending that guy into a seedy underworld of illegal street races. That guy didn't know anything. It also may be one of the worst acting performances in the history of movies, that guy. (laughs) There's no way he appeared in another movie in history. That was his one shot, and he blew it. See, I I don't even know. I wouldn't even know what his character name is. He's sipping on that stupid cup with the straws like, uh, yes. No chance he appeared in another movie. His IMDb page is blank. Could you tell me right quick what would be a better motor for my Skyline, a Gallo 12 or a Gallo 24? Um... 24. I didn't know pizza places made motors. 
the FBI customs guy, not the black guy, but the other guy, the him and Tyrese are constantly arguing. Yeah. He is cast almost as perfect as any character can ever be cast. He's in a played movie. the same role in about 35 movies. He gets the jobs that Chris Cooper passes on. He's incredible <laughs> in this movie. I love him. I love their back and forth. Brian picks Roman Pierce to be his partner. We meet Roman Pierce at the Demolition Derby, and we find out that there's bad blood between the two. The two rumble on Roman's front yard. We learned that Roman did three years upstate because of an incident that involves Brian. But Roman can clear his name if he agrees to work with Brian for a job down in Miami. This is just another scene that I like. We get introduced to Tyrese. He's not in the first one, but we all like know who Tyrese is. Like, oh, hey, Tyrese is in this movie. They then get into the fight out on the right, right in front of the mobile home. Yo, whatever happens next, just let it go. I ain't in it. This just kind of really sets the tone of Tyrese doesn't like authority. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Tyrese played this character well. Yeah, but isn't he too similar? Like, remember, this is the second one. I remember thinking to myself as I watched the movie, is he too similar to Dominic Toretto? Because they're setting up a similar plot. There's a lack of trust for some reason. There's this, like... I don't want to say bromance, but like there's this like back and forth. Like what Tyrese has become in these movies is not what Tyrese was in this movie, which is why when I rewatched this, I was like, did they have to just totally rewrite his character? Because what he starts as is not what he has finished as. This is the scene that has my first like, okay, what are we doing here? The FBI's plan was to hire a cop who flipped to the bad side and a convict. To go run an undercover operation <laughs> in Miami. Just you guys say it all the time. On the surface, does that sentence sound right at all? No, no there's no nobody sense. in law enforcement in the United States of America that has a car background that would be better suited for this job than a cop turned bad and then a convicted criminal. That's their plan. And then big what, problem. What's so funny about it is you would have to assume to do this job there's gonna take some coloring outside the lines. Every time they color outside the little bit, the cops are all over. Well, why do you have these two people doing it if you have absolutely zero trust in them to go out and execute the job? Like, you're willing to give them amnesty basically at the end. Hey, we're going to give you blank. Hey, you do this job. Whatever you've done in the past, we're going to erase all of it. But yet we don't give you an idiom of trust to actually go out and execute the job. That's it's a, a huge point. plot hole. However, I would understand the lack of trust. I mean, like you said, he's a cop turned bad. So when he colors outside the lines, you got to try to figure out if he's breaking bad again or if he's just coloring outside the lines. But you're right. It's a massive plot hole. A criminal and a second criminal are now sent into the CD underworld to somehow not be criminals. Could you be on house arrest in a mobile home? Like, that defeats the purpose of how if your home can just be anywhere. That well, the mobile sense. home is outside the track. So, I mean, maybe. So, Monica Fuentes has a job set up for Roman and Brian driving for Verone. Verone sets up a test where the duo needs to track down a red Ferrari and retrieve what's in the glove box. My red Ferrari was confiscated yesterday, and it sits in an impound lot in Little Haiti. It's about 20 miles from here. The car isn't important. What is important is the package I left in the glove box. The first team back here with the package will have an opportunity to work for me. What do you say, we got audition? Nobody's got a gun to your head. The two pass the test before the police crash the party. Roman shoots at them to get away. Brian hands over a package to Verone, and it's time for a nice poolside brunch. The package was a cigar. Roman tries to steal the cigar cutter from a crime boss, which seems punishable by death, but Verone lets him pass. If you go to the crime boss's house, 
and he catches you stealing. That guy kills you right then and there. I can't trust you. I've given you a chance. You were going to show me that you would steal from me something as small as a cutter. Then you would steal something big for me. You couldn't get away with this. Hey, you. Pockets aren't empty. Damn. I'll take my cutter back. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I also feel like the idea of, like, I'm going to test them for a cigar was kind of silly. If you're willing to test them, give them, like, a real job. I know, like, the idea is, like, let's test them on something dumb. If they get caught, whatever, it's life. It won't be circled back to us. But a crime boss, like, hey, get a cigar, and then thought they wouldn't be angry about it when they find out it's a cigar. You're right, though. If you steal something from the crime boss's house, you probably aren't walking with a job from the crime boss. Here's my second big issue with the movie. This was the wrong cast. Cole Hauser is not a good crime lord, drug guy. Too pretty, too put together. I like Cole Hauser as I, I like Cole Hauser as an actor. I'm not sure this is the right fit for casting. I think this was a bad casting job by whoever did that. I Who's somebody say, you would want then? Who's somebody see, you would want cast? And I knew I was going to ask this question. I don't have a good answer for that. I just know he's not it. I don't watch Yellowstone, but like I've seen clips of Yellowstone. He seems to fit that character, like the rugged cowboy type, way better than the clean-cut Miami crime boss type. Yeah, just but too, like, too pretty... I don't know. Didn't, I mean, didn't fit for me. Outside of Pacino, who we've seen play the Miami crime boss, who's the guy where you're like, oh, he's gritty enough, he's tough enough, and like he has like a slimy tone? I don't. I agree. I don't think it should be Cole Hauser, but I don't know who the answer is from 2000 and what two. Yeah, I mean, Fast and Furious has a type. They want clean, good-looking people on screen that are young and you know fit. So I mean, I get why, but this is the first time. Well, I guess the second time they went up against a crime lord. Or, and a drug lord, I just didn't like the casting. I don't think Cole Hauser was right for it. Which do you think is the better car scene? Do you think it's this one or the opening scene? Like the rate, the, get the, I actually like the scene later in the movie where they go to the garage and Tej gets the cops all confused. That's, yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's, that's my a, favorite one. That's the penultimate. Yeah. I would say going backwards on the highway was pretty cool. So I'll take the chase to get the cutter and the, you know, the racing other people. The, the opening scene is generic to almost any Fast and the Furious episode. The opening scene or is movie. the same as every racing scene you saw in the first Fast and Furious. Like, you got the, the NOS, you got the bridge element, you got the well, race. Well, it was in a quarter mile at a time. It yeah. was much longer. Much, I mean, you're right. It's not the exact same, but it's like we took the races that we saw in Fast and Furious 1 and just extended them street version. Your point earlier, though, about Tyrese and Dominic Toretta there's a sense of kind of calmness and coolness about Dom that I just don't think Roman has. Like, Roman, to me, he goes, like, 0 to 100 real quick. That's not really what Dom's character is. So I do think they're, like, drastically different. Like, Roman, like, doesn't like authority. Like, I can't really see Dom shooting at police the way that, I mean, Roman shoots at the police multiple times in this movie. I think there's, like, an element of unpredictability where Dom's pretty steady. I just mean, like, the relationship between Paul Walker and Tyrese that we get set up pretty early seems like they're trying to do a a slightly different version but a spinoff version of what we just had work with Dom and Paul Walker. I think there's too much similarity there, especially considering now, and I have the advantage of hindsight, seven movies later, Tyrese is not at all the person we get introduced to when we first meet Tyrese. He's now the comedic, I'm scared of things, but like my money guy. He's more, he leans into that wild card a lot more. Why is Vin Diesel not in this movie? Like, what's the reason for Because I can't think of a first movie that was as successful as the first one, and then they just completely changed the formula. Dominic Toretto wasn't in number three either until the final scene. This is one of my fun facts. In 2015, Variety asked Vin Diesel, why didn't you do this movie? He said he turned down a $25 million offer to do this film, and Diesel stated, quote, Universal Studios didn't take a 
Francis Ford Coppola approach to the movie. They approached it like they do regular sequels in the 80s and 90s, and they didn't want to drum up a new story unrelated to the first part, and they wanted to slap my name on it. Why did Vin Diesel think they were going to take a Francis Ford Coppola approach to Fast and Furious? By the way, he's anti this movie because it's too similar and they're going to slap his name on it. The last seven movies have been the same and they've slapped his name on it. He didn't have any problem with that bag. I think all of us view Fast and the Furious as one franchise. Vin Diesel clearly sees it as something completely different. Yeah, it's his opus. It's his, you know, it's his fine wine. This is just a fine popcorn movie. I don't know why Vin Diesel is trying to overthink this. Drive some cars, have some pretty women in it, have some capers, and let's move on. I would, I would say, though, and again, I'm not advocating turning down $25 million for artistic integrity, but... In Fast and the Furious. In Fast and the Furious. One did have, like, a, a sense of, like, the street and a little personality and, and some, like, character development. Two was very popcorn. Racing like, cars, racing hot cars, yeah. hot... There's a big difference between one and two. So I get where he's coming from. I disagree with it. But the difference between one and two is pretty stark. I will. You're right. I think one is grittier. Like four, like it took until number four to get back to number one. Mm-hmm. But I would say then four, five, six, seven, eight are all kind of in the same vein. I mean, like what's the difference between Fast Nine and Fast Eight? They're kind of the same. They've slapped yeah, the from, same on it. From six to ten, they're That's all fair. the same. Four and five are pro- four and five are in their own. You know, window. And I could get how maybe in 2003 he felt like the gritty Fast and Furious movie went from gritty to popcorn, you know, Miami, da 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 da. But to then be like in 2015 when he got asked about this, at that point they have done enough of the same movie where it seems a little bit far fetched that he didn't want to do the same movie over and over again. That's what makes it funny is you had this stance of this artistic integrity and then you eventually sold out the way that everybody does in a franchise. Mm-hmm. That sure, Fast and the Furious started in one thing in 2001. By 2006, it had become something completely different. And I would say the ones that are maybe the most unique, he's not a part of. Tokyo Drift, I would say, is very different than the other ones. This one is a little bit different than all the other ones. He then signed up to make the same movie five consecutive times. But you couldn't sign up for Fast 2. So that's just very, very odd decision by Vin Diesel, who eventually, like most people, chases the bag. I just find it funny of all, he's like, it wasn't Francis Ford Coppola-like. Oh, you mean the guy that made The Godfather wasn't consulted about Fast and Furious 2? My bad, Vin. We head down to Ludacris World to get the cars looked at and catch up on the local scene. These cars are hot-wired by the police, plus the crew is being followed by Barone's goon. Hey, tell me something, man. Do I even want to know where the skyline is, dog? Or where you've been the past couple of days? Or where the hell you got these rides from? They're hot. Yeah, they hot. They wide so hot that whoever's tracking these things will know every time you don't wear your seatbelt. Our tag team shakes the goon with fire and brief the cops, who are very angry at Roman firing at them. Brian and Roman update the police on what's going on, and they are unsure about what side Monica is on. The crew has to do something as the tension rises. The line where he says, I don't want to talk about it, cuz, is a top ten line in Fast and Furious history. Let your man go, huh? Drop it, I don't want to talk about it. Drop it, hell? I want to hear about this, homie. I said forget about it, cuz. Top ten in all ten movies? Where they're walking away and... Roman's trying to get more information about it. He's like, I don't want to talk about it, cuz. Like, why is why is Brian O'Connor talking this I way? mean, we already skipped over the greatest line maybe in Fast and the Furious history. We hungry. Like I said, we hungry. 
<laughs> that that is the penultimate line in Fast and the Furious history. He says it seventeen times in it. That's yeah, not even the but best the first time when he's taking a bite of that roll, walking out of Carter Verone's house after you know getting caught with the cutter, he's we hungry. Everybody knows that line. I don't care how old you are. If you've seen the Fast and the Furious nine movies, you know we hungry. A race is set up for pink slips down and back. Wait, how about we settle this on the black top, huh? Each car does a down and back tag team style for slips. Loser walks home. We came to race. We'll load them up then. Tyree slips up, and Brian has to play a game of chicken to pull out the last second victory. I like this scene. You know they're going to win. I like the tension of this scene. When Tyrese is back, and you're thinking, man, you got to do something pretty drastic to make up the gap between you and the other racer if you want to win these cars because you have to get out of them because of how they're wired. The game of chicken scene and the tension of what's going to happen here, I really like this scene. It also sells Brian as we continue to sell him as the street racer. We saw it in the first movie. He's the guy. We see it in the opening scene. He's the guy. Like you've mentioned, like it'd be like if Jordan walked in the gym. Same theory. He's the guy. We now see Brian O'Connor further the fact that, hey, I'm the guy when it comes to street racing, especially since we don't have Dominic Toretto in this movie. He is that guy. You know the funniest part of this scene to me? is they didn't really risk anything. So let's say they lose. You don't think the FBI is going to give them two more cars? They're not really risking anything, but it is like a very well-shot, good race. They make it seem like they can't win. They clearly are going to win no matter what. But, yeah, they weren't risking anything. They lose. They're going to get two more cars to continue the undercover operation. If you're going to cancel the undercover operation, I would assume the potential attempted murder on the FBI agent is probably what gets you pulled off the case. Fake Chris Cooper gets shot. Yeah, that'll probably do it. He just pulls up. I mean, he fires like six rounds at him. I would think we've got this former felon. We've got the cop turn bad, and they just potentially tried to kill me. Maybe we're in a little bit too deep, but he's just fixated on trying to get Cole Hauser off the street. And they're just you know, chasing him in the Cutlass. That's, that's his car they're driving. I think it's one of those old Cutlasses. It's time to head to the club for a meetup with Verone and company. Wild. We, we headed to a back room with Detective Wentworth for a late-night torture session. Once the bucket gets hot enough, Detective, the rat is going to want out. The only direction it can go is south. Where they get a 15-minute window to do their dirt, but before leaving, Verone feels the sexual tension between Monica and Brian and threatens to kill her for her advances with him. The scene with the rat. I, I, this is the only thing I really want to talk about. I gotta fast forward every single time. I hate this scene. I don't know. It makes no sense. (laughs) Like, this would be Francis Ford Coppola or something like that. What are we doing? There's rat torturing a fat cop in Fast and the Furious or Too Fast and the Furious. It is the most out-of-place scene in the entire movie series. It makes, we have the ridiculous of the ridiculous. We have good scenes. We have bad scenes. This one is just the most out-of-character scene in any of the nine movies that have been made. I don't agree with you there. I actually think the scene of it, the location of it, You're not threatening a Miami police officer in the back of Mosaic. No, this happens. You guys go somewhere to meet and maybe you threaten them and you torture them and you get them to agree to, hey, give me a little bit of window to do my dirt. You're not taking him. So, like, they brought a rat to the club. They brought a blowtorch to the club and a bucket in the back of the club. It's that part has a lot going on. But actually threatening and torturing the dude to get him to agree 
to, hey, give us the window to move the drugs. That that lines up with me with what it I just, think would happen. It doesn't make any sense because, one, it seems like he's already under the payroll of Carter Verone, right? This one, he's going to stand his ground. It's not like he was a clean cop and they tortured him to flip bad. He was already a bad cop. They torture. It's like the scene does not make any sense, and the way they go about it makes zero sense as well. Secondly, whoever figured out that a rat would have to, have to scurry through your stomach because of a hot bucket? When was that ever discovered? That's a great question. I will say, though, this, though. Game of Thrones-ish. They do try in this scene to sell the fact that Cole Hauser is the gritty crime underlord guy, which. Well, he's wearing he's too fancy Earl. a shirt for that. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I just think in real life both Brian and Roman get killed. Roman has stolen from the crime boss, and Brian is openly flirting with his girl right there. Yeah, but he only has 18 hours until the window's open. So to then go and get a new racer, he's probably out of options. That, that would be my theory as to why. He doesn't trust. So you've got these four or five goons that are around you and not one. Like these are guys that you believe are loyal. These are guys that are, these two guys just showed up three days ago. And they've already, I think, committed two killable offenses. Stealing from me—he's about to commit another one in the yeah. houseboat. Yeah. I mean, stealing from me is a killable offense. Trying to talk to my girl, right? I invited you to my club in my section, and I see you flirting with my girl. No, I'm killing you. And why do I have these goons on the payroll if I don't trust them to be able to drive to do a hundred thousand dollar drug drop? This is a shockingly low amount of money, too. I was about to say, I'm like the fact that it's a hundred thousand dollars of it. Like, if you're selling me, his his house is probably worth a couple million, and he's making hundred thousand dollar drug drops that's another thing with the cole hauser point he need this number need to be higher this need to be like oh man there's 1.2 million dollars on the line not a hundred thousand not a you know practice squad chiefs player salary this needs to be real money we get up to that by fast five they have to keep increasing the stakes yeah we yeah, have to in fast the five like we got to take the safe out of the cops you know the everybody got two million from fast five mm-hmm. back at ludicrous world monica tells brian that the plan is to kill him after the drop Tyree stalls while Brian sneaks a kiss, and they try to sneak Monica out the back door. The goons search the boat but find nothing. A tussle breaks out with an old-fashioned standoff called off by Verone. Verone tells Brian and Roman that his goons are coming along for the ride. I don't think we needed this scene. Monica going to Brian to tell him that they're going to kill him. Like, I kind of had that feeling from the very beginning. You don't live at the end of this if you're the two drivers. You are disposable. You are loose ends. We don't know you. You are out-of-town shooter. I think that's just cops looking out for cops. I'm not saying they didn't know what's coming, but I think, like, that's the, because we know that Monica's, you know, on the good guys here on Team Cop or FBI, I guess, and that's her being like, hey, I don't want this to end, this undercover sting to end with the other two people in on it getting murdered. I, I don't think this scene is, like, elite, but I do think I understand the purpose of the scene, and it leads to the goon driving, which I enjoyed. I think the only way to make that scene work is you got to have Monica and Brian take some clothes off and get amorous, for lack of a better term. That would have made a little more sense than him just coming to Warren and tussle. Carter Verone stops it, and then we move on with their day. It's also only like six hours after the fact when they left the club. So not that much has happened in that time. I will say this, though. This is one of my notes, and I'm happy we'd mentioned Eva Mendez. We know about this. How has Fast and Furious never brought her back? 
They bring back like big time people now. They've brought people back from the dead. Now Helen Mirren is in these movies. Charlie Theron is in these movies. Jason Statham's in these movies. I don't think Eva Mendes' career has ever come back, let alone Eva Mendes' character. Perfect to bring back. Like she's an attractive person who has a backdrop in the films. How have they never returned her to the home? I'm assuming that she just didn't want to do it again. I assume she's a really bad actress and her career's over. I mean, she doesn't have it. Hasn't they're, done not, much. they're not hurting for characters and they're not hurting for good looking people. So I'm not sure Eva Mendes fits the bill of, of what they need in Fast and the Furious. To your point, this scene to me works better if it starts with them laying in bed together and then the goons show up. Correct. And now you have this thing. But her You need more than just sexual tensions, what you guys are saying. You need yeah. Actual, okay. It's then that awkward little kiss between them. You that, need like, good people in underwear. Through. That just never goes anywhere. Good-looking people in underwear would have worked better. Yeah, this scene could have worked just a little bit better. Brian and Roman update the cops on what's going on, and as they get ready for the job, the two get their cars ready, they're playing together, and they have a heart-to-heart on the pier. When you got busted, you know, whether I was a cop or not, you know, if there's anything I could have done, you know, I would have done it. And I just want you to know that. Is that why you let that dude go in L.A.? Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it. When I got busted, it wasn't your fault. It's all on me, Mr. Roman Pierce. Wildin' out, crazy, man. No one can tell me nothing. Riding solo. The relationship between Roman and Brian is really strong. And this scene's kind of the apex of it. They're sitting there, it's a beautiful backdrop. The we hungry, he tells them why he's eating all the time. This is a really good heart-to-heart felt just two bros just having a time i wish they would have in this scene told us why roman went to jail and why brian was responsible for it i had that written down i'm like what we this scene was good i get your point but i think this was the perfect time to delve into or a flashback scene of why they beefed at the you know demolition derby earlier why did roman end up in jail why did brian walk away free and then how did brian then end up we could have done a cool little backdrop two-minute montage here but instead we just bro out we get to the final job brian roman and the goons get a large sum of money from verone's rental properties rat boy cracks under pressure and sicks the local pd on our foursome brian and roman do some slick driving some stunts some maneuvers to shake the cops just as it looks as our team is surrounded with nowhere to go, they pull a legendary okey-doke to juke the police. I think this is an all-time Fast and the Furious scene. I was going to say, this might be my favorite Fast and Furious scene of, maybe not, maybe one of my favorite driving scenes in all the movies. It's really well done. It gets the cops off their back. It's something that I don't think we had seen in movies at this point. Like, I love the they all come out of the garage and they're like, we don't know which one's them scene. I think it's amazing. I think it's the combination of both. I think it's the combination of Brian's driving. He has, the other guy has to take the wheel. He pulls that thing out of it. It's the tension of that. It's, oh man, they're about to get caught. They go into this building. We don't know what the plot twist is going to be. Next thing you know, there's a 100 cars and there's so much commotion. This is a top tier out of the first nine movies. This is one of my favorite scenes in the series. Fellas, fellas, <laughs> I know my tags are out of date, but damn. The only hole in it is Suki getting written a traffic ticket. Like, at the end of the scene, she calls Brian and is like, you, you, you owe us. The cops are just writing traffic tickets for helping them evade. <laughs> Brian and Brian and Roman, <laughs> they're just writing everybody tickets. It doesn't make any sense, but yeah. it, it is a very good scene. I don't think it ranks in my top ten to fifteen of all time, but it's a good scene for Too Fast, Too Furious. I like the idea of the cops like I'm going to have to give you a non-moving violation here. You help us. The guys just literally, 
you know, a, a beat cop is literally writing Suki a ticket. It makes no sense. Writing Suki a ticket while on the phone with the people that they're actually trying Correct. to catch. <laughs> As she tries to run their cars over. I'm sorry. It is ridiculous. And at this point, the beat cop would have probably been on the, would have known from the cop on the take that we're not interested in the other people. We're interested in the two criminals who are running money bags and drugs for Cole Hauser. But somehow Suki got a, hey, you went 46 and a 45 ticket. Now the coast is clear for our boys to head to the drop where the line of the movie is delivered. Check those cars! It worked! I love this button! Tyrese's car is now empty, but a last-minute change has the team readjusting, and Brian is headed to a new location. Brian meets Verone and Monica at the new spot. Brian learns that Monica is a fed because of the setup, because she's the only person who has the original location, and now she's kidnapped. So you know nothing about the agents? That's throwing my jet. The funny thing is, is I only told one person about the airstrip. Put her on a boat. Roman arrives in the nick of time to save Brian, and now it's time to go get Monica. You can see how heartbroken Verone is that his gal, the person you've been laying with for a year, she turned your back. This is a plot hole in the movie. We believe that Carter is super plugged in. He's got tentacles everywhere around the city. He's got tentacles in the police department. Not one single person could tell him that Monica is working, actively working with the police. How does this fly under the radar? You can't be a great crime boss if the person you were laying next to for you couldn't you couldn't sniff this out? I would say I think the FBI versus like the beat cop thing is different though, because he's got people, he's got Rat Boy in the actual police, and he knows that Miami PD, what happens with them. I think the FBI is like a ring or two above. It's hard to have a mole on the inside of the FBI. And only the FBI, or at least based on the film we saw, isn't communicating that much with Miami PD because they have literal criminals working for them. So I think it's believable. I also like the Cole Hauser, you know had this like little okie doke with the intent of I'm going to figure out who's betraying me. I, I like this whole thing. I, I didn't get why you thought it was a plot hole. I, I just don't think, I mean, we, we look at his house, we look at everything that Verone has. You don't get to his level of drug dealing without plugs way higher up than local police. You've got ties into the FBI. You've got spies. You got information. You're, you're, you're above a street level. You're past the, the wire. You're past the Marlowe. You're one of the biggest drug dealers in America with all the things that he had. You got somebody working at the FBI that tips you off. Hey, that girl you've been dealing with for a year, something's funny about her. It's not the first time a powerful man has been blinded by the beauty of a woman. So maybe that was just Eva Mendes. Who, again, apparently can't come back. Just never come I, I don't know films. why you want Eva Mendes back. She's so inconsequential to this, <laughs> the nine movies. I'm just saying, they brought back dead people. Just bring back Eva Mendes. To Carrington's point, she wasn't even really worth it for this movie. That's so fair. why does she have to come back for the other eight? She does look amazing in this movie that's every time she's on the screen. So I don't, I don't want to... What am I missing with Eva Mendes? Is she, like, all time? Her prime she's is elite. Fi she's fine. Her in terms of beauty, in terms of act, she's fine. She is not elite... She is not in anybody's top ten. She is fine. There was a time where she... I think she's elite. Hitch, there was fine. A, this that, movie, fine. Yeah, but that timeline from, like, this to Hitch, from, like, 02 to, like, 010. I could have done 09, without Eva Mendes. That was, you that can was write, a pinnacle. You can write history without Eva Mendes's beauty. That scene where Verone approaches her, where she's laid out, and she's getting a tan, that woman is amazing. I don't know. I Again, I'm, I'm probably in the minority. I get that, but... I could do without even Mendez's history. 
Brian gets the idea to drive onto a moving boat. Love it. This Love is it. the first time Fast and the Furious gets ridiculous <laughs> this is the seminal moment of the entire mm. franchise and i'm not gonna lie to you I, I love it now you're right it became the this is where vin diesel can catch cars and go to space because we had this yep. lead off but this is the first I, time i legit when i saw this as a kid in theaters loved it i rewatched the movie and i'm like he's gonna drive that car on that boat that is awesome i love it this is the part where vin diesel read the script and was like i'm not doing this movie this is where he finally ejected. this is so over the top think of the physics that you would have to get the the boat is moving, your car is moving, and you land perfectly on it. And don't kill anybody. I would say 85 times out of 100, you completely overshoot the boat, and you just completely fall in the water. And die. Is what happens. Mm -hmm. Or when you actually make the impact of hitting the boat, you then die. Or you skid off. Yeah. It's not like you, you, you stick the landing. You know, inertia continues. You can hit the boat and continue to go. Well, this plan works, but Roman... Shockingly. <laughs> this plan works, but Roman breaks his arm in the process. This is the only injury sustained in basically the entire movie, is Roman breaks his arm when they do one of the most physically impossible things that we have ever seen. As Verone goes to shoot our heroes who have just barreled into his yacht, Brian gets the gun <laughs> at the last second. And fires first. But Verone is not dead. And as he goes to pick up the shotgun, Monica comes in for the save. Now, Verone is under arrest. Roman and Brian turn over the money to the police from the drop, even the money that they have hidden in the other car. Verone goes to jail. Everybody shakes hands. We then learn that Brian and Roman steal some of the money, which seems like a very serious federal offense. This is the end of Too Fast, Too Furious. To be fair, they probably didn't know how much money total there was so mm -hmm. it's not like they're stealing from x also this just furthers the hey brian has continued to break bad despite being fake good and he stole money from the fbi and he high fives rowan about like yeah we did that bro like you just you committed a federal offense back there after working for the feds and I, the next time we meet brian is he's working for the federal government mm -hmm. he's in the fbi and fast four. Oh, oh my god on rotten tomatoes too fast too furious has an approval rating of 36 percent and an average rating of 4.7 out of 10. The site's critical consensus reads, quote, beautiful people and beautiful cars in a movie that won't tax the brain cells. That's a perfect explanation for this movie. That's, that's calling it a popcorn movie without calling it a popcorn movie. It's beautiful, a popcorn movie. Beautiful people, beautiful cars on a movie that ain't going to make you think too hard. You know what? That's basically the Fast and the Furious franchise. If you had to explain it to somebody, that sentence is how you would explain it. Family and fuel. Scott Tobias of the AV Club says that director John Singleton abandons the underground racing subculture that gives the first film its allure, relying instead on a lazy thriller plotting that's only a bag of donuts and a free phrase away from the average cop TV show. This goes to the point that you guys said earlier, yep. that the first one really taps into something special. And they're like, we can't do that movie again. What do teenage boys and men under 25 really want? That's what we're going to really lean into for this movie. And financially, it worked. They quadrupled their budget for this film. It just didn't have the heart as number one. It just didn't. And that's what I think the big difference was. So I remember being very disappointed with Too Fast, Too Furious. Watched it on my portable DVD player. Circa 2003-2004, was disappointed. It's, it's not number one. I remember walking out, because I was in theaters when I was like 12, 13. I remember seeing this walking out being like, that was fun. 
Like, I enjoyed it as a 12, 13-year-old, which I would have been key demo at the time. I saw Fast and Furious 1. I'm enjoying a Fast Cars movie 2. I'm not looking for heavy plot. I walked out thinking it was fun. So if you walked in this movie thinking they're going to, you know, maybe this, maybe this is why I'm saying what Vin Diesel said earlier about the grittiness. It didn't have any of that, but it's a fun, funny, you know, action movie with some car races. So, I mean, is it as good as the others? No, but I didn't walk out disappointed when I saw this in theaters. What's so interesting to me, going back to John Singleton for a second, Boys in the Hood, Shaft, Higher Learning, Four Brothers, he made some, like, pretty gritty movies. And then all, he decides to do this one after watching the first one and completely redo it. Doesn't seem very John Singleton to me. Everybody chases that bag at some point. The, the only guess. person who had the moral compass was Vin Diesel. He's the only one that said, no, John you're Singleton, taking the franchise in a direction it I know this. For, I know this for a fact. Baby Boy is one of your favorite movies. And John Singleton Boy. did Baby Boy with Tyrese. And then he turns around and he's like, yeah, I want to do Too Fast, Too Furious in Miami. He wants to work with Tyrese again. That's I why guess, he did I guess it. so. USA Today's Mike Clark gives the movie two out of four. The movie is all about racing and character be damned through the still days looking Tyrese and Paul Walker. Finally getting a little rapport after a worn out story's very rocky start. And then concludes that the lack of pretension helps the viewer get over the fact that this is just another retread. You guys ready for Roger Ebert? Oh, yes. I always love Roger Ebert on this. Roger Ebert gave this movie three out of four stars and said it doesn't have a brain in its head, but it's made with skill, style, and boy, is it fast and furious. Roger Ebert liking Too Fast, Too Furious blows my mind. This is a movie I would be convinced he didn't like. I don't think there's ever been a better line in a movie review than it doesn't have a brain. That's a very good way to put this movie. He hates every movie we've done. All of them. Well, well I mean, fast, he's, the Francis, he's the Francis Ford Coppola of reviewing things, so I, I can th assume that under six IMDb movies is not up Roger Ebert's alley. Yeah, but he likes this one. He loves all too movies. Fast, too furious. I mean, there's some ones where, like, we talk about it, like, you can, like, squint or, like, see where, like, oh, they were trying to make a good movie, but it went wrong. He always hates them. He's like, yep, terrible. They did everything wrong. This one, you're right. He backhand compliments the brain thing, but his he kid somehow must have loved likes it or something. Them. Yeah, oh, his my. kid must have loved it. It's time to get to our awards. When a hero comes along, Long spec, you love Fast and the Furious series. Yep. Give me a person, thing, or scene that you think tried to save this movie from being under a six. My guy Paul, Paul Walker. Walker. <laughs> Brian O'Connor. <laughs> Brian O'Connor's the hero. Yeah, he drove a boat. He drove a car onto a moving boat and saved his girl. Yes, Brian O'Connor, hero of the movie. That okie doke scene with Ludacris. I love that scene. I mean, I legit think that's one of the top ten scenes in the Fast Furious franchise. It's not as iconic as driving the safe around Brazil, but that I mean, that's just a special scene. But it is in that vein of you remember this if you're a Fast and Furious franchise fan. So that's that's what I that's the standing shining achievement in this movie to me. I'm actually gonna give my hero award to Ludacris. I thought Ludacris was a perfect character in this. I'm also gonna give it to the soundtrack. Like I think this movie perfectly taps into that time what we were listening to how people were wearing like this movie if you want to show somebody what 2003 and 2004 looks like i think too fast too furious is a perfect representation of that so i'm going to give my hero award to Ludacris in the soundtrack so you're giving doing too much you're giving that to carter verone carter verone doing too much 
I actually have to agree with Spec here. I the nightclub torture scene is doing too much. We don't need it. It makes it makes me cringe now as an adult. I imagine when this movie came out as PG thirteen, thirteen year olds were cringing. Your point about how do we know that hot water makes rats move in stomachs? Don't know anything about that. We did not need a weirdly graphic rat torture scene in this movie to prove that Carter Verone was a bad guy, despite the fact that he's not gritty enough to be a bad guy. I no, that scene is just ugh, get rid of it. I'm actually going to do the doing too much with the love interest between Brian O'Connor and Eva Mendez. Mm-hmm. It just, they never really developed it, and there's there's no payoff at the end. Even when he finds, he does all this basically to save her. Like, that's why they why they drive that car onto that boat is to save her life. And then it's just, oh, wait, we're just now we're just going back to being police? Like, they're not leaving together? There's no kind of payoff on all their love? I'm going to give that to doing too much. I get it. Almost every movie has to have a love interest. You could have done this a little bit more where there was a little bit more tension between that where Carter to kind of justify why Carter was so jealous. It also probably hurts in retrospect, knowing what we know about Brian and Mia overall, the movies that probably, yeah, to like they were in love in the first one. Now it's Eva Mendez back and four. He tries to get her back in number five. They're like, it just, I, I think that's a perfect, uh, a perfect answer is that relationship. All right, this movie is a 5.9 on IMDb. Is that too much, too little, or just right? I mean, it's just about right. I don't think it's a great Fast and Furious franchise movie, but I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's like a 5 or a 4.5, or, or even we've done some movies that are like 5.1, five, 5.2. Five, I think it's more fun. It's better than those. It has some plot holes, and with hindsight, you look at the other Fast fr- Five movies, like Fast Five, Fast Six, those, like, oh, it's worse than that. But it's still a fun popcorn movie. I think 5.9 is about right. I'd have to agree with you. I think 5.9 is the perfect rating for this movie. I don't think it's in the six category, but I don't think it's bad that it's a 5.9. I think it's properly rated. There's some plot holes with this. This is just a fine movie. It kind of is what it is. It's not. It, it shouldn't be looked at any deeper than this. I think 5.9 is a fair score. I'm going to give it just right. It's in the ballpark. I think it's a little overrated. I think it should be lower, closer to 5 than 5.9. I'm ready to hear your ranking. I'm, say, I'm fired for the list. I'm ready to hear your ranking. I, you have no idea how much I put into this. I'm ready to I, hear it. Top, top nine movies? Let's mm-hmm. do it. All right. Are you going to work 9 to 1 or what? Let's go 9 you guys, to 1. It's your guys' podcast. Yeah, nine you told me 9 to 1. The worst Fast and the Furious is Fast and Furious, which is the fourth one, which is when Brian and Dom come back. Mm-hmm. We get introduced to Gail Gadot. Not a good one. Number 8 is Fast 6, when we get introduced to Owen Shaw. That takes place mostly in London. Is not, that the one? Which one is the one with Ronda Rousey where they drive between the buildings? That's seven. That's okay, seven. all right. It's hard to remember which is which. You don't like the I like the London one. I like mostly that scene where The Rock gets the weird salesman to give him his shirt and stuff. I that was I liked that movie. Yeah, generic. It was a mix between four, five, and seven, eight, nine. My problem was, I shouldn't say problem. They pulled down a massive aircraft with a bunch of jeeps. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And Gal Gadot died in that movie, which I really don't like. Number seven, Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, wow. I think it's way down the list. I think it's unlike the rest of the movies, and for that, it gets docked. I'm actually surprised you like Tokyo Drift more than Too Fast, Too Furious. Number Tokyo, six is Tokyo, Tokyo Drift. Yeah, I was like, okay. You didn't seem like a Tokyo Drift guy. I don't love it. My biggest problem is that the acting is just so bad. Like, I can't get over how bad Mike Winchell and, uh, and uh, Bow Wow are at acting. Just, it's not good. So let me ask you this really quick while you're making the list. What kept you in the Fast and the Furious series? Paul Walker. Okay, because I was going to say, you don't like two and you don't like three. 
So you were like, when 4 was announced he's coming back, you were back. Even though 4 was bad. You were back in. That's why my list is backloaded. <laughs> um, so number six is Tokyo Drift. Number five is the latest one, Fast Nine with John Cena. I hated Fast Nine, by the way. I thought it was. I think Fast Nine might be the worst one. It's so bad. It's bloated. It's long. We, it takes eight movies to find out Dom has a brother. Yeah, it's just. I, it's, I really do not like. Fast it's Nine. so wild though. It's just like I was laughing the whole time. I was never <laughs> on my edge of my seat. I was just laughing. Uh, number four is Fast Eight, which I really liked. Number three, Furious 7, which is when we get introduced to Jason Statham. Real quick, Fast 8's the one where, is that the one where they're, they have the end fight and the submarine comes up through the ice? Yep. Okay, I just want yep. to make sure, I, I like that Great one. Great scene. So, are, so this is interesting as someone who loves the series. You love the shift. You love, like once it goes from being a street racing movie to an over-the-top action, you love the pivot. Except what you are. If you want to be ridiculous, be ridiculous, but you got to be one or the other. Number two is the original. I, I mean, I love the original. And the best movie of all of them is Fast Five. Fast Five is Fast Five. That's a good, Fast Five is easy. Don Zicaduro may be the best song associated with any movie in the history of movies. One of my favorite songs of all time. Fast Five is a perfect movie. I mean, Fast Five is an all-time heist movie. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I know, like we kind of mock because Fast and the Furious and how it's gotten. Like, Fast Five is on Italian job. It, it, it's one of those kind. Fast Five is the best movie in the series. You get introduced to The Rock, his body butter, his arm butter. They actually have a really good crime lord in Brazil. It all makes sense. Epic final scene. Fast Five is the best of all of them. And you, you pick up, they picked up nice from Forks, like the guys are kind of thrown around the, For uh, the sure. country, and they have one big score. You have The Rock fights guys. Vin Diesel with a hammer. It's... Mm. There's nothing better than Fast Five. Is that the one where it's not the opening scene? They jump off the train into the water. Yep, I mean, it just, that's number five. Fast Five is incredible. Fast Five is an incredible movie. This was the Bad Movies Worst Opinions podcast, where we believe that everybody has a favorite bad movie. We only watch movies a 6.0 or less on IMDb. Next week is High School Musical. We get back into our kids' movie bag, Disney original movie High School Musical. Spec, man, we appreciate you sharing your love anytime we do a Paul Walker What's movie. What's the next one? That's the real question. Let's do She's All That. Does that count, that counts as Paul 5. Walker? 5.9, yeah, he's, She's All That. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, he was the bad guy. Yeah, She's All That. It's the perfect next Paul Walker movie. And we get back into a rom-com bag. Yeah, we'll do that. I'll definitely need to rewatch that movie. <laughs> I love She's All That. Big fan. Big fan of that movie.